A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. Swift, 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 Swift. Ish. What just happened? Okay, welcome everybody. We are here. We are back for another yes. episode of Swiftish Podcast. This is episode 52 of season two. I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of sorts with our, with our new Patreon and everything and the crossover with Holy Swift. I'm like, I, what are numbers? I don't know. I, baby, who's counting? <laughs> one plus one plus three. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of our Patreon, you know, so it's been fun. It was really fun. <laughs> they get to see us and they get a chat with us in Discord, which has been fun. I've... Yeah. I've enjoyed chatting with Melissa, Janet, Matthew, Jonathan, Donna, Violetta, Ida, Sydney, Jenna, and Valeria. Yes, been- it's been so fun seeing all the theories. We've been enjoying it. It's yeah. amazing. It's fun. And I think anyone who hasn't joined our Patreon, hopefully, um, if it sounds like something you're interested in, there's definitely a little bit more, um, I guess, behind the scenes, just as far as the video goes and a little bit more at the beginning of our episodes and stuff like that. So definitely a fun time over there. But um, we also got a review on iTunes, which we love getting too. And um, this was a very nice review. So I was going to read it. It's from Anna Anna Banana for Fana. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, we're the best T-Swift podcast. So (laughs) thanks. Party truster. Mm-hmm. But she said, um, as a fellow 30-something Swifty, I can't explain how much I love and appreciate this podcast. Ashley and Shelby are the perfect pair. Ashley always has the tea, the fun facts, and is always up to date with all the latest drama. <laughs> Shelby's, Shelby's background in English is incredibly obvious as she dissects each song and interprets even the most complicated lyrics. I love how well S and A complement each other. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Sometimes they have different viewpoints, but they are always encouraging and supportive. Of, see, of seeing things, i.e. Easter eggs, in different ways. I always learn something from each episode. Keep up the great work, ladies. You are so appreciated. Hair toss. <laughs> that makes me live. We're in our feels, right? And um, obviously the Patreon's great, but for those who can't do Patreon, aren't interested in Patreon, leaving an iTunes review is another great way to show support. It definitely moves us up mm-hmm. in iTunes's algorithm, lets us know what's working, what's not. And so we always appreciate hearing from our fans that way. Um, but this week, like, let's get into it. What's the tasteful nation? I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, there has um, been like a lot of Taylor news, but then at the same time, not a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so we are recording on the fort the fifteenth of April. Yeah. So this is the fifteenth. So we might be a little bit behind. You, you might have already. All this might be old <laughs> news to everybody. But we're coming in a week later, you guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the thirteenth, we did have a special interview from Taylor Swift that we'll get into at the very, very end of the episode. So don't worry. Mm -hmm. We have not forgot Mm -hmm. about that. We didn't miss that. Yeah. Yeah. But one of our favorite indie stars, Bon, and I cannot say his last name. I don't know why. (laughs) Iver. Iver. I always want to say Iver because of the I. I know. It's tricky. It's very, you know, you have to just remember, oh, he's like an indie artist. Indie artists are like pretentious. How would I pronounce my name in the most pretentious way? And that's... (laughs) (laughs) That's how I you remember. <laughs> I'll remember that Bon Iver, yeah. he went on Instagram Live and was giving little like teases for all of the songs he has up on coming up on his new album. And one, surprisingly shocking enough, was with Taylor Swift. I know. So they're doing another duet, um, which will make it their third one after Exile, Evermore, and now 
this track on his album. What did you think of the clip? Um, it was a very like short clip and it was Taylor Swift sounded beautiful. I couldn't really take out I couldn't get the lyrics out. I think I yeah. heard like one of the lyrics. And one thing that really I really liked with Bon Iver in Exile was his deep, deep like mm-hmm. butter voice. And I haven't gotten that back with another Taylor <laughs> song. And it, even in the snip clip clip, he doesn't have that like deep like voice, right. which yeah. I was sad about. What did you think about <laughs> it? Yeah, I'm curious. I I mean, I think it'll be different than the Taylor tracks because it's obviously one that's more guided by his sort of taste and style. So I'm curious, but it's not like what I'm like holding my breath for, I guess I could say. Is it- I think I think I'll remain attached to the Taylor tracks on Folklore and Evermore more mm-hmm. than what she's putting out. But that's based on a five seconds clip. So I could eat my words, which I tend to do often on this podcast. <laughs> we'll have to see if it's a song worth getting into when it's released. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Patreon. Yeah, I feel like it'll be more Coney Island vibey than Exile vibey. And mm-hmm. I... <laughs> We'll see. That's all I can say. Yeah. We will see. He said that it might be a single, the first single that he drops because oh. he loves it that much. Well, and because Taylor, Taylor Swift is a big name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, and maybe it's, it's called just strategy. That good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that too. I'm, I'm 100% positive they both put in great work and that it's a great song. But it would also be silly to not have that be a single just because mm-hmm. of the crossover potential. Take over, yeah. take a page out of Taylor Swift's book with her marketing strategy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, me featuring Brendan Urie. That's. <laughs> oh, did you see that? You That's saw that tweet. That work. Right? I saw that tweet that I shared. Tweet? Someone was like, if you hate on me, I'm going to block you. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. of you. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, I also saw a tweet that's like, trigger an entire fandom in three words. And it was like spelling is fun and i just <laughs> i think that will continue to split the um fandom and i'm okay with, with yeah, the side i've chosen to die on okay i'm glad i'm glad i'm, I'm, just, I'm comfortable I'm not, with my choices i'm not really on a side i'm just kind of like mm. i'm more like yeah. is it france <laughs> neutral switzerland in the situation yeah. <laughs> take it or leave it taylor likes yeah, it i'm on board anything taylor likes i like <laughs> taylor I hear that yeah well, that's what's exciting is um, Olivia Rodrigo, Taylor's Child, has her full album coming out May 23rd or something. May 23rd. So something to look forward to. Oh, that'll be fun. Um, be yeah, fun. I'm excited. I think it looks good. And she was wearing the ring that Taylor Swift gave her on her album cover. So that's oh. cute. <laughs> if we ever get another Taylor Swift tour, she'll probably be opening up for Taylor. No doubt. Oh my goodness, that'd be so fun! I'm I'm that such means, a huge fan, so yeah, it's gonna. I'm be probably good. too old to be like a super fan of Olivia Rodrigo, but I'm not. I'm I like I, I can't help myself. Okay, don't say that. <laughs> We're gonna be like the the old people when she's like yeah. 33, being like, we remember, we remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, champagne. Well, problems. I'm so excited for this week. I um. As you guys know, we have a long list of songs we've yet to cover from Lover, from Folklore, from Evermore, mm-hmm. from Fearless, Taylor's version. And the only way we've been able to like attack these is by doing um, a random 
drawing from the hat, basically. So each week we just pick one at random from a playlist on my Spotify that we're tracking the songs we haven't covered yet. And this week, Ashley let me know that we're doing my other favorite Evermore track. So some bottles. (laughs) Yes, I know. Last time we did Marjorie, Mm -hmm. which is one of my like top songs of Evermore and one of my top 10 of Taylor's ever. And so this one is literally just a step above it. So (laughs) we're really going for the ones I love, um, which is just going to make the rest of them maybe uh, more of a slog, but, but it's nice. It's nice to start with the things you like. So, you know, it's going to be really weird when we shuffle onto a song that is either in lover that we haven't revisited and that we kind of didn't like, Oh, you're not going to like, um, it's nice to have a friend, like all those songs (laughs) that like we haven't revisited. It's going to be hard for you. Yeah. You're going to be like, no, let's, let's go to the new stuff. Let's even go to the old stuff and fearless that I love the way I loved you. Let's just stop this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it just so happens that yes, a few of the tracks we have left on lover and folklore tend to be some of my least favorites, but there are some that I really love that I was looking forward to talking to about. Like, I think we haven't done like afterglow, Mm -mm. um, daylight <laughs> nope nope uh towards the end of the album what's we have the not last done that. one on folklore i don't i'm not really looking forward to um hoax i think that is such a weird song but it'll be interesting to talk about but. yeah yeah and we do Anyways. have we do have someone who has already claimed to come on our podcast to talk about long story short so when that pops yes. up in hopefully a month or so It'll be yeah, <laughs> be good times all around. I love it that you know we'll keep we're keeping it a surprise, and we still have to coordinate with this person. But I love that the moment that Evermore came out, she messaged <laughs> and she said because this person couldn't do the song she loved most on folklore, so she messaged yeah. us and was like, "I need to <laughs> do like, Long Story Short dibs on Long Story Short." Yeah, I gotta respect the hustle. Yeah, I mean, and of course, I, and I do, yeah. and I do. But so, champagne problems. Shelby, yes. This is your jam. This is your oh, song. This is gonna be probably one of your favorites to dissect yes. in the album. Yeah. So let's get. Do you want to get 100%. into it? Yeah. I mean, this is track two off of Evermore. It's it was produced by Aaron Desner. Desner. It was another one she wrote with William Bowery, aka mm. Joe Alwyn. Um, she loves a good breakup cosplay. I guess just. <laughs> date night with joe um and i yeah i think this stood out to a lot of people it was mentioned in a lot of reviews it debuted at 21 on the hot 100 even though it was never a single and so that was like a pretty good showing um for an album that tended to have more in the low like the lower 50s range Mm -hmm. so it's stood out to people and for good reason because i i think it's one of her best songs of ever (laughs) but especially on evermore um this is top 10 for me and i'm excited to talk about why but yeah i mean this is the one that there's been a lot of talk about i think some people were worried since it was like about a an engagement that was turned down they were like oh my gosh did taylor get engaged did joe propose and taylor said no is this a lie is this truth like blah 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 And so it's interesting that she has talked a lot about this track more than maybe some others on Evermore. I don't know if you watched the um, 
interview she did with Zane Lowe um, for Apple Music. Um, but she talks about this one and was um, saying that one, Joe came up with the melodic structure of it. So I think it's another one where she just heard him playing piano <laughs> and was like, what? And you don't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do I believe that Joe was just like humming in the kitchen and he just belted out the verse of exile? I don't find myself believing that narrative, but maybe I've never been a talented, like a, like an, like an ultra talented person like that. So I don't know Mm -hmm. how genius works, but it seems uh, hard to believe, (laughs) but it's fine. So she says, um, that she said, Joe and I really love sad songs. We've always bonded over music. Um, so we will just sit there and be like, we write, we just love writing really sad songs. <laughs> She's I, like, what can I say? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's, I have questions, but uh, I honor your relationship. So <laughs> that's their foreplay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, um, she also said, I was, I say it was a surprise that we started working together, but in a way it wasn't because we'd always bonded over music and had the same musical taste. And he's always the person who's showing me songs by artists. And then they become my favorite songs. And he, she said, all I have to do is dream up some lyrics and come up with some like gut riching heart shattering story to write with him. And then he's game. And so I think that's what she's implying happened here is she's like, Oh, I want to, or she heard the melody that he was playing and she's like, let's make it a, totally heart-wrenching story about a like a as she describes it um long-time college sweethearts who had very different plans for the same night one to end it and one who brought a ring oh dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh so okay let's go off on a tangent here this is proposal you've been proposed to i've been proposed to What's mm-hmm. your story of your proposal did you know it was happening <laughs> did did he know you were gonna say yes what like that's nerve wracking. Like just even thinking yeah. about this. So let, tell me, yeah. tell me your story. Um. Yeah. Let's think. Um. Well, so I had moved to Houston after doing long distance for a few uh, a year, and so it was like I had a rule that I didn't want to be one of those couples that like planned their wedding before getting engaged. I was like, I'm not gonna like sit here and plan for something that you haven't had the balls to ask me mm-hmm. <laughs> without knowing if it would happen <laughs> but I mean it was it was definitely one thing where I was like this is happening or I'm gonna be really mad because um, you moved so I was confident but I was impatient and so um yeah it ended up being uh in November um I don't know why I had just woken up that day and I was like I think it's today there's no reason it wasn't like an anniversary or anything. It was just my, the, uh, energy of the universe just, uh, whispered in my ear. Did you have plans and to do something that day with him? No, he, no, he was like, Oh, like, let's go to dinner later. And that was it. <laughs> so anyways, I like got dressed cute for no reason except for this, um, intuition. And, um, he came by and he's like, hey, before dinner, like, let's go to the park. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went to the park where, um, I don't know, we, we like had sort of a spot. It's now been mowed down. So mm-hmm. <laughs> awkward. But we were at the park. No foreshadowing. And yeah. <laughs> and um, we laid out a blanket and we were lying down and snuggling. And then we were both just had all this nervous energy. And then he... 
he asked me to marry him and I said yes. yes. <laughs> and long story short, now you have baby Penny. And now we have a baby, which is wild. But yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was nice. It was I nice like too because it. it's a he had um an heirloom ring from his family. So oh. I didn't even have to drop hints about what I wanted. Was it, was it his just, mother's uh, ring in his pocket? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was actually his it was it is from his mother's side, but I think the last person to have it was the firstborn, like the son. So his mother's brother had it. And they gave it up like they, they gave it up, like the mother's brother's wife. The, yeah, she didn't end up wanting it. Or she I don't remember how it worked out. I can't spread falsehoods, but anyways, <laughs> it was passed down through the line. It's like from the the Great Depression or something. I should really wow. know more. I'm really showing that I just like didn't. Taylor Swift needs to write a song about your ring. Okay, <laughs> write a song about that and then send it to me, and then I, yeah. I'll come up with the melody lyrics, and then we can just okay. like oh, yeah, give yeah, it to yeah. Taylor yeah. for our next album. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh what about you? Um. So Lance and I. So we we dated. I knew him about like two and a half years, and we dated for about six months. And then I broke up with him because I wasn't sure. It was there was another boy that I needed to figure stuff out with. So I broke up with him. I told every him was- serious engagement has at least one breakup. That's what yeah. the importance of being earnest said. So did you break <laughs> up with? Uh- Rob dumped me for two days in our relationship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> every every um, uh, th- there we go. We are we are like minded people. So I broke up with yeah. him. I need to figure out stuff with the boy that you know, red cleaned, that red like erased from my mind. So then Lance and I were still friends when we broke up. I told them all of the regular, it's me, not you. There's nobody else. There was somebody else. You know, all of those regular like things you do to like let someone down easy. At, and at the very end of me breaking up with him, I had never broken up with a guy before. I'd, I'd either been broken up with or most of the time just kind of like ghosted or, <laughs> you know, just made things awkward and weird and yeah. either did it over text or over phone. So never in person. So I was like, he's such a good guy. I need to break up with him in person. So I did. And at the end, he doesn't remember this. At the end, he said, well, if you ever want to date again, I'll be here. Doesn't Aww. remember that. But I thought that was the sweetest. I dated other people. He dated other people. A year later, we, it kind of like, came back to full circle. We were still like really good friends. We still hung out. So it wasn't like we were disappeared from each other's lives. Right. So then, and, you know, I, we had said I loved you when we started dating the second time. I loved you. We were getting serious. I was thinking about moving to Utah to be with my family and we do long distance, you know, because we were in the same place. And I, there was no, nothing in my mind that if I was like, oh, if I move, because he was in school, if I move, we'll break up. If I move, there's nothing like that in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess he took that as an ultimatum. <laughs> didn't give him one. We didn't talk about marriage. We did say I love you. And in his mind, I love you meant we're going to get married. This, this stuff is happening. So um, he's, he's, he's a poor college student and he wanted to go somewhere nice for dinner. And he, to celebrate that we are still dating after six months because um, I, I broke up with Classic. him after six months. And yes. he's like, well, where do you want to go? And I, I, if, if I knew he was going to propose to me, I would have chosen like well, my favorite, favorite place. But I was like, oh, we're celebrating like, this. Chipotle. Yeah. Let's, go to, let's go to Cheesecake Factory because yeah. that's where my friends and I go all the time. So we went to Cheesecake Factory. And then afterwards – Amazing. We, yeah. Yep. I got the little um, – 
the the lettuce wraps, which I love. They're yes. so good. And so then afterwards, <laughs> we were driving around, and he was like, let's go on a walk. And I don't know. I had no idea. I was like, okay, we'll go on a walk. He's like, but let's go on a walk where you've never walked with anyone before. Like, never walked with me before, <laughs> never walked with anyone before. Because out yeah. in, like, the main line in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of, like, greenery walks near where I lived. And I've walked them with other boys. But he wanted to go on a walk where no one's been. So we right. found this, like, weird side street hike on, like, the middle <laughs> of, like, a weird – uh, walking path and so we were walking and you know he's talking about this book he's reading and I wish I could remember it I don't remember it it was I don't know it was it was a book and basically he was talking about it and he was talking about it for like the last month and I was like okay and I kind of zoned out <laughs> and then I kind of zoned back in and he was quoting this quote that said and if you'll walk alongside me for the rest of the life and I'll be yours and you'll be mine and I was like oh Aww. crap what is happening like this is the moment in Champagne Problems where you don't know your answer until they're down on their knee and asks because we had never talked about it. I think yeah. I had written in my journal like, oh, I think I found the guy I'm going to marry. But in my journal, yeah. I probably said that a million times about a million other different people. It's like, I'm going to marry Lance. Anyway, so yeah. he's down on his knee and he was like, will you marry me? And I just, I just kind of stopped. I was like, did you ask my dad? He hasn't met my dad only once. So I was like, how How did – because we didn't live in Utah. I was like, how did you even meet my dad? And he stole my phone, squirreled through, tried to find my dad's phone number, tried to find it under dad, but it's under pop. So anyways, he had, he had like a lot of investigating to do. Asked my dad. He didn't have a ring. He had ordered it. But because he was going away, he was going to go be a summer associate for a, a law firm. He wanted to propose to me before I was traveling and before he was going to right. New York to work. So he didn't have a ring, but it was bought and paid for. And instead, he had a string and he wrapped, it around, my, yeah, he wrapped it around my finger. And I said yes, but we didn't tell anybody until he gave me the ring because I did not want to be the couple oh. that was engaged without a ring. So I made him <laughs> propose to me again. When he had the ring. And I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. He's like, let's yeah. go on a walk. So by like, you know, second proposal, yeah. he sang to me. It was awkward because people oh, were around. Oh, cute. He sings? No. <laughs> no, he does not sing. But he sang to me. What um, did he sing? I don't know. It was from some – I'll have to report back. From some that musical he so did in high school. Sweet. And it was like a love song and I was just – it was like on the campus of Penn in Philadelphia and it's like cute little like walking area. Like, But people were around like I could see them so I could not focus on him singing to me. I could only focus on, like on them he was staring like, at us. Like he was like serenading you. It was sort of like you were swaying together and he was like singing in your ear. He was serenading me. <laughs> This is amazing. I cannot picture Lance doing this. He did That's it. so amazing. Like, he blasted. It was a show tune. It was a it was, Broadway it was like a, song. Da, 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 da. But it was a, a show tune as it was in a musical and it was like a love ballad in a musical. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. And I just get awkward. Like it? I just get awkward just because other people were around. I got awkward. Yeah, yeah. And I said yes because I'd already said yes and I couldn't You're say like, no because I'd already said yes. Like, and No. But, but yeah. So like Lance didn't know my yeah. answer. He assumed he knew my answer. But there was a 50-50 shot. My parents had no idea what I was going to say. They were braced for <laughs> yes like, or okay. no. Because like I had told my parents like I really like him. He's different. You know, he's yeah. he's amazing. This is more different than any other guy I've dated. So they knew I was right. serious. But they also knew I was yeah. 26. I had 
like a million different relationships. They kind of took me as like a Taylor Swift, like, oh, she dates too much. Like she's stuck in the head. There's no way she's going to get married. So they're like, we'll hold our breath. We'll hold our breath. My little sister told someone that night. um, She was like, my sister's getting engaged tonight, but she's probably going to say no. So (laughs) she didn't know. Well, look at you now. Look at me now. Proud of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that's, that's so us. cute. Champagne well, panels. I know Taylor didn't hear our stories, but do you think she was inspired by anything, or just kind of thought of this? Because I feel like, I feel like she must have watched Little Women. Like this is just giving me hard Lori and Joe vibes, mm-hmm. and I just feel like, I feel like it fits too perfect to not have been inspired a little bit by Little Women. <laughs> what about um, Gilmore Girls? Oh, With see, Lori. I haven't watched that. Or um, I heard there was a similar storyline on Grey's Anatomy, maybe. Yeah. Or I saw a tweet about it. So everyone breaks that's up. That's true. Grey's she Anatomy. does watch those. And she said she was inspired by um, movies and shows mm-hmm. she's watched during the pandemic. So it could have been just Little Women, which I 100% behind yeah. because it's it, even the book. You know, she's very much mm-hmm. into referencing books and literary references and just like these and I, Little Women. I think it also had like been released as a movie a year before that. So it, it mm-hmm. was on everyone's mind. Uh, but Gilmore Girls, who knows? Because, you know, they had that the other Netflix series come around. Grey's Anatomy. A lot of people get proposed to and rejected in Grey's Anatomy. So I don't know. About Do you that. think she was pulling anything from this idea that maybe Calvin Harris proposed to her? And is and is that the Easter egg maybe that I my favorite one out of oh. this? <laughs> maybe a good it's, one. It's just yeah. you know, and I think it'd be really hard to write a song about someone being proposed to. Like Lance and I writing a song, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy named Jim. He proposed to me. Let's write a song about it. <laughs> um, I love it. I really want to pull from that. It was Calvin Harris because supposedly they're you know all of his friends were like talking crap about her after they broke up. People are saying they were getting serious before they broke up and he was thinking about marriage and he was just so mm-hmm. bitter afterwards too, like super, mm-hmm. super bitter. So there's, there's thought behind that. Look what you made me do music video with the no, and the, this, the shape of a, a chain necklace, which he got her a locket yeah. for her birth, their anniversary. And then the empty ring box, there's credit behind that. But what do you think? You, you didn't get um, little woman. I, yeah, I guess I sort of side with you where it'd be awkward for her and her current partner to write about the time that she said no to some other dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't know. They're writing breakup songs together. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a weird creative relationship. But And she's um, done so many times. This is very like more of like a fictional album. Yeah, for sure. I think if there's any truth to it, she's never, ever going to confess. Like it's definitely she'll... And why couldn't, dies, so. why couldn't it be Joe? Why couldn't Joe propose to somebody and that person said no? And then, oh yeah, yeah I see someone else than Taylor, or yeah. someone said, or he said Possibly. no to somebody. Yeah, who says that a girl can't propose to? <laughs> He's a guy? like, I've got an idea. Yeah, the yogurt shop girl. <laughs> she really <laughs> hoped I would marry her, and I said no. Um, no, but this is one that people really like. Um, Entertainment Weekly called it a gentle, weepy, busted engagement lament. Billboard called it a lump and throat highlight that sets the tone for the album that follows. Um, the Guardian said it reminded them of like the bad news girlfriend of Blank Space. And I love that. Just that journey there. And New York Times called it an elaborate, evolving sigh. Mm. And um, so people are all into this. And I 
am really excited to break it down. Um, I don't remember which of us is reading. I believe you're reading because I think I read on the last one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mr. Perfectly Fine. Um, Perfect. I'm excited about this one. Um, So the first verse is, uh, you booked the night train for a reason. So you could sit there in this hurt, bustling crowds or silent sleepers. You're not sure which is worse. She knows how to set a scene. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I feel yeah. like every every episode we're like, wow, what an image. And I think it's really interesting. I was looking at this one and it is one of my favorite storytelling she's managed to pull off. And she just gets better and better at, at writing these sort of narratives. And this is one of her more sparse songs. Like, I, I this, this song has 287 words. But you look at any of her other stories like Death by a Thousand Cuts, she's packing a lot in there with 400 words. All Too Well has 460. Love Story has 370. Enchanted has 370. Last Kiss is 400. Blank Space is 500. Like she knows how to pack a story into a song. And a lot of it is um, mouthy choruses and bridges and just details on details and layers and emotions and storylines so the fact that she's able to pull off that same emotional gut punch but with a song that is like really trimmed down just shows like every word here matters and (laughs) my notes on this song are just (laughs) I want to see it (laughs) (laughs) but I mean even just this verse where you're she does this really good job of putting us right in his space like she's Mm -hmm. She's not singing about herself. She's singing about him. She, But she has no idea actually what he's thinking. So it is a lot about what she's revealing of herself. And so she's kind of projecting in some ways. And here she tells a story of like, oh, picture this. It's a sad boy who doesn't, who wants to disappear, but also can't believe that no one else around him like knows what he's going through or cares what he's been through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very unique feeling too. And so right away we're like oh what happened yeah <laughs> and um and then she goes into the chorus because so i dropped your hand oh so yeah sorry the beginning of the song it does it remind you of any other song does it sound like any other song that taylor has oh, played so before this. no please tell me because I'm okay so, so i think it, it like when it starts to play it reminds me of new year's day like the the, oh, the piano, yeah. the melody a little bit right. kind of like took me to New Year's Day, and I was like, "Oh, this song sounds so familiar." And I was I saw someone else like tweet about it too, and I was like, "It's New Year's Day. That's what it sounds yes. like." And it's so funny the parallel between the two songs, whether intentional or not. Like the chord progression in mm-hmm. in this song is very similar to all the other sad songs that Taylor has like all too well that like Taylor has has played um in the past uh, come back be here it's the same chord progression mm-hmm. so it's not shocking that like it's a sad song but new year's day isn't sad but it sounds vaguely familiar and it's so ironic mm-hmm. because new year's day is about finding someone who you want to do the minute dumb um, chores with after like a big party after the big wedding you just want to like clean up and you just want to like hang out and help like put chairs away or after new year's day help put away clean up the confetti and then in this song it's the exact opposite someone like you don't want to spend those days you realize no i don't want to do i don't want to celebrate anything big with you and there's no way i want to i just realized i don't want to do anything little with you and they (laughs) sound so familiar but their the storyline is so yeah, different. Interesting. Far from it. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Especially since she wrote New Year's Day for and about Joe. And mm-hmm. here she's writing with Joe about oh. a relationship, hopefully far from theirs. Yeah. Um, because then wow. she sings, um, 
Because I dropped your hand while dancing, left you out there standing, crestfallen on the landing, champagne problems. Mm. Your mom's ring in your pocket, my picture in your wallet. Your heart was glass. I dropped it. Champagne problems. And this is interesting. Um, In a lot of like reviews and theories and literary readings of this song, the idea of champagne problems is one that gets brought up a lot because the definition of that is basically like first world problems or sort of these like non-issues in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's interesting to read this song as if she's trying to work out what counts and what doesn't as a champagne problem. Um, Because like even in this chorus, um, the first part is like, what's the first champagne problem? It's like, oh, I left you standing crestfallen on the landing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a champagne problem. It's like, awkward and it's like oh I feel uncomfortable this is no good but then you get to the real heart of it which is oh actually I I dumped you I shattered your heart I uh, you were about to propose and I was like no thanks and that is not necessarily what anyone on earth would call a champagne problem that's like a real heartbreak and I Mm -hmm. think I think that's what's interesting is sort of the narrator in this song seems to be trying to make sense of of why she rejected him, why they got to this place, what is actually the matter with her personally and sort of, is she right to feel the way she does? Is she right in her justifications for leaving? Is she, is she allowed to feel sad as he like, what are these problems? Are they, are they relevant or are they champagne problems? And I think that's, that's kind of what's interesting, especially given Taylor Swift and her position of privilege and sort of the, complaints people have had with her in the past which is like oh like you know it's it's not really that deep like oh she stole some dancers from you like that's a champagne problem Mm -hmm. like you know like people have criticized taylor in the past for complaining about things that aren't like a big deal in the grand scheme of things and so the idea that she was able to sit down and like write out a song where someone else is exploring like the validity of pain and however we process that is is part of what makes this song so um I don't know, powerful and interesting. Yeah. And one thing that made me think of is, and made me kind of feel bad for it because this song also kind of explores mental, mental health and narrator's mm. like state of mind. And I was just thinking when Taylor was talking about, I think it was in Miss Americana and, you know, about her problems and wondering people like her or not. And is her song going to go number one? And I was just like, why is she complaining? And we've, we've, I've talked about this on the mm-hmm. podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, if you're Taylor Swift. You have so much money. You have like the world's right. your oyster. Everyone wants to be you. Everyone wants to be with you. And I'm kind of equating her problems to champagne problems because like, what are, like, what's your problem? You're rich. Right. And I'm not yeah. really taking into, you know, context that, oh, there's so much more to her than her money or, you mm. know, how much people love her. Like, and a lot of people take mental health as like, a, you know, people are getting better about it now, but a lot of people think of mental health, you know, depression, like, oh, they'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, you know, move forward. They just kind yeah. of like toss it to the side. So I'm sorry, Taylor. I know. <laughs> problems are not champagne problems. And I like too how, yeah. you know, she kind of she kind of puts side by side someone's, uh, you know, heartbreak, someone's mental health to champagne problems because usually you have champagne when you're celebrating something, when you're like popping mm-hmm. the bottles. You know, his sister brought a, a, a champagne bottle. It's to celebrate these good, glorious moments in someone's life. And it's, you know – it's sad that, you know, they don't have any reason to celebrate right. anymore. 
Yeah. Sort of that dichotomy of what should be happy, but is actually like really sad. And, Mm -hmm. and she is kind of gearing us up for how sad it's going to be with this song. That's like, you want to call these champagne problems, but you're going to be left like pretty destroyed emotionally by the end of this. And, um, and she does in the next verse, she explains more as she says, you told your family for a reason. You couldn't keep it in. Your sister splashed out on the bottle. Now no one's celebrating. And I think that's, again, like, it's very, these are very, like, quick um, one-liners that just, like, very swiftly, <laughs> swiftly <laughs> paint the picture um, that it's like, oh, yeah, this guy was so confident and so excited that he's like, why wouldn't I tell my family? Like, why wouldn't I tell my friends? Like, yes, this is going to be the best day of my life. Let's make it an event. And then she's just very, like, casually, like, now no one's celebrating and that's like a brutal line and you can tell the singer feels it but also that there's sort of a disconnect there where it's like well she's like processing it in a way um I don't know did you have any thoughts on that verse or no you know some people were thinking and saying between like he told his family for a reason and he bought a the night train ticket for a reason a lot of people are like oh he he bought the plane ticket or the train ticket because he knew she was going to say no like somewhere in the back of his mind Mm. he'd say no and oh he's telling his family that she said no and I was like no that's not how I read that at all I read that he bought the night train ticket after she said no and then he was bragging to everybody he knew he was going to propose to her so it's really interesting how people read these lines so differently and I imagine Taylor Swift meant them the way that we're talking about them but yeah well I I think yeah because I agree I think it's that's what's sad about about the you booked the night train for a reason is like not that he's like oh I took a bet and she said no so I'm glad I had this ticket ready Mm -hmm. it's more the desperation to get out of there like he can't even wait for the next day he's like I need to leave like this is so heartbreaking humiliating whatever it is like he's out of there as quickly as possible he needs to be alone too yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like oh I have to like sneak away this is too much and um because then he she goes into the next chorus Don Perignon you brought it no crowd of friends applauded your hometown ste- skeptics called it champagne problems you had a speech you're speechless love slipped beyond your reaches and I couldn't give a reason champagne problems oh I love it. I really do. I, I It's weird because so much of my love for Taylor, and I think we talk about this a lot, comes from these ultra personal diary entries mm-hmm. ripped from the headlines like, oh, Joe Jonas, oh, John Mayer, Jake Gyllenhaal. And this is just a made up story about some <laughs> breakup. <laughs> but I'm like invested. Yeah. I mean, I think just even this first layer, like the parallelism she does, like you brought the champagne, no one applauded because it didn't go as you planned. And I also like this line, your hometown skeptics called it, because I feel like one possible reading is your home step, hometown skeptics called it champagne problems. Like you came home, you told them that you weren't engaged and they're like, oh, champagne problems. But to me, it feels more like a full sentence like she's done on all these other choruses where it's that's the complete line. Your hometown skeptics called it, as in every other person on planet earth saw this coming that she was going to reject you mm-hmm. <laughs> and that hurts too mm-hmm. yeah i kind think, of saw um, that as as that too is like one one reading is your hometowns called it 
and then she's a champagne's problems. Like it's also a champagne problem that these people can just see what's obviously in front of you and they can be at home just like gossiping about you and your loved mm-hmm. ones. And a lot of people are wondering if it was if the hometown skeptics were saying, Oh, that's just a champagne problem. She said no, you'll get over it, which a lot of people do say. A lot of people mm-hmm. say, you know, like we go on to another verse where they what what they call her, what they say she's she's like. A lot of people are like, oh, you'll get over it. It's just a heartbreak. You'll move on. Like, time heals all wounds. And that's a champagne problem. And then another people can read it as your hometown called it. And then calling those, like, gossips champagne problems. Because they have all the time in the world to just sit around and gossip Mm, about you. Interesting. Yeah. And I also like that, like, mirroring that first chorus where it's, like, a real, quote, unquote, champagne problem compared to a, a not champagne problem. Here it's, like oh, this big expensive bottle of champagne, like no one drink it. You kind of wasted it. Like that's technically a champagne problem, right? It's like, well, no, I (laughs) literally need $100 on this. And then, but then the next part is like the real brutal problem, which is you had a speech. You didn't see this coming. I had no reason to say no, but I still did. And that's like a real problem. But I'm still trying to parse out like, is this a champagne problem? And I think mm-hmm. that's where you're right. Like there is a lot of interesting mental health um, angles to this song. And and there's like a lot of self-loathing in this song of a woman who's like telling the story of a man who she's directly like responsible for how he's feeling, but she's less concerned with how she's feeling. Like she's so obsessed with like, well, how did he take it? How is he handling it? What's going on with him? And she's not able to really turn it on herself in the same way at first because she's trying to parse out like, oh, like, is this a champagne problem? Is this a real problem? Like, do I, are my feelings valid? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like very interesting as a woman, because so often our feelings are invalidated. We're told over and over again to stop being so emotional, so irrational. I mean, hysteria was like a literal diagnosis that was rooted in sexism that led to women being called hysterical which is only ever applied when a woman's being emotional mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that here she's like why did I say no I couldn't give a reason like why am I not invested in him I I can't explain it and somehow that feeling isn't valid because she can't put a logical reason to it and I think that's something a lot of women face like he has a job he's nice he's not mean to you he can support you like you're gonna be set for life you won't have to work a day in your life and so it's like you know why wouldn't you want someone like that my parents once told me two healthy um worthy because they're religious people can make a relationship work there doesn't have to be that that Mm -hmm. strong love between the two and I was just kind of like oh no not at all so it kind of reminds <laughs> me of like what fun. you were just talking like yeah. not gonna do that yeah yeah because I think it is it's sort of like oh all these people are talking about us like your whole family is surprised by this like why am I so un like why am I so messed up that I'd say no why would I turn this down and I like that the next part of the song is sort of this aside where she's almost processing it it's like a it's like a background vocal of her going like ah uh-huh. And you can kind of like feel her wheels turning. And um, Taylor Swift said that a lot of her songwriting, she wants like the full story to come out in the bridge, which is so often why I love the bridge. Mm -hmm. And so when she comes to this one, which she cited as an example of like a bridge she loves on Evermore, um, it kind of does build in that way because 
you had those verses, you had those like pauses. And now she comes in swinging with like a very wordy bridge where she says, your Midas touch on the Chevy door, November flush and your flannel cure. This dorm was once a madhouse. I made a joke while well, it's made for me. However green, our group of friends don't think we'll say that word again. And soon they'll have the nerve to deck the halls that we once walked through. One for the money, two for the show. I never was ready, so I watch you go. Sometimes you just don't know the answer till someone's on their knees and asks you. She would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's stuck in her head they said <laughs> but you'll find the real thing instead she'll patch up your tapestry that I shred mm. oh, and it's so beautiful like I remember Evermore was a hard listen for me at first I was kind of like this isn't what I wanted but this song I was like oh like knocked me to my knees almost like all too well did when I first heard that and I think it all does kind of find its heartbeat in this bridge mm-hmm I I liked it. I'm I'm wondering what, you know, she says your Midas touch and the Chevy door, November flush uh, and your flannel, I can't talk, flannel cure. (laughs) Someone pointed out that, you know, maybe his touch was Midas because his love for her was golden. But, you know, Mm. it kind of, when you think of that Midas and how he had the, the ability, he was blessed with the ability to touch everything he loved you know, they would turn gold, touch to your gold. And that was like kind of bad because, you know, he thought it was right. going to be this great thing, this, this amazing thing that he could do. And, you know, he, it ruined it. And I don't know. I was just mm-hmm. thinking like his love for her was so golden that it kind of ruined it. Yeah. He loved her way more no, than she did. But yeah, I think it's such an interesting image and, and the pairing there of like, I mean, on one hand, it's like, oh, he makes the ordinary extraordinary. Like he mm-hmm. touches this Chevy truck door and it's suddenly like, wow, it's the coolest Chevy truck door anyone's <laughs> ever touched. But I do like this idea that it turns out to be more of a curse than a blessing. Yeah. I don't know if that means like, I don't know if the narrator here knows exactly what she means because she goes on and says like, November flush and your flannel cure. Like, what a unique way to say like, oh, it was cold and you gave me your jacket, you know, like I, I was cold and you gave me your coat. And I think, I think that's another point where she's like processing these things that should be good, that should have been enough, that should have proven something, but there was Mm -hmm. something else underneath that was holding her back. And, and she goes on to say like, well, this dorm was, oh yes. Can I say one, one thing too is, um, you know, I saw a tweet that like summed up this perfectly and it was kind of got me thinking they had said that, you know, back in the Victorian times, there was a superstition that wearing red flannel would cure you for your illnesses. And that she's saying that she believes him to be her cure of, you know, her mental illness, anything that she's like hung up on. But, you know, we all know that superstitions aren't really true. Like, I don't think Mm. she thought that he, you know, this flannel was going to cure her, but she could have thought, you know, I have, I have so many hangups, so many issues. This man, can help me figure it out. Right. He's gonna he's gonna solve all my problems. You know, he his Midas touch is golden. He he does everything that he says he will do. Um, you know, he's it's kind of like um the way I loved you, like the guy in the yes. way I loved you, you know, talks politics with my father. He says all the right things at the right time, but it just didn't really cure her. It didn't fix her because yeah. she goes on to say, you know this dorm's a madhouse. It's made for me, which kind of puts you into her mental state state right there. Yeah. Like he, he couldn't fix her. The only person that can really fix her is she needs to really work on herself and not look for someone to, um, right. 
you know, to focus on and to stop things. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to like put all of her energy into somebody else and ignore her problems. So what she really needs to do is say no to the proposal, take her time and really fix what's wrong and what's, is the issue. And that's her. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an interesting sort of throwaway line. Like, oh, this dorm was once a madhouse as in, and it's put in quotes, like he's telling her that, or someone's telling her that. And she says, I made a joke. Well, it's made for me. Mm-hmm. And that's like a very, very distinct sort of familiar way to a flippant, like a flippant comment that you can see anyone making when they are sort of feeling like, Oh, something's wrong with me. I'm broken, like whatever. And I think it's interesting that Taylor can sort of wedge that in there. Um, I mean, it's like that self-deprecating humor so often hides like real trauma or concern or depression or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like there's an easy way to kind of like toss it aside. And she sort of, the way she sings it is just so powerful. And she's like, I was, I was saying something and maybe I didn't realize it at the time, at the time, but there's something like wrong with me. And it continues through this chorus, but and he you also have this line. He doesn't yeah. actually like he's not hearing her. And so it kind of makes me think right. that maybe they weren't they weren't meant to be. Like all these things that yeah. you know, she thought he was amazing and he thought she was amazing, but he was really overlooking all of these things she was saying. Well, it's made made for me. Everyone knew they wouldn't work out. All all of her friends saying she's stuck in the head. Like yeah. there's all these signs and clues that he was not he was overlooking. Right. So it's was meant to be doomed from the beginning. Yeah. And also this image of however green our group of friends don't think we'll say that word again. This really threw some Swifties for a loop for a while. They were mm-hmm. like, what's the word? <laughs> what's the word? That's the next album. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think the word is R. Like she's saying mm-hmm. it's never going to, there's never going to be any reason to be like, it's not theirs anymore. It's not yep. their friends anymore. They. Mm-hmm fractured the group like it's not they don't have an us anymore to talk about and I think that's one of the most brutal parts of any breakup ever is that the your chosen family as it were is suddenly fractured in a way that's really hard to repair or replace and this thing that was meant to be timeless that was meant to be evergreen is so easily done away with just by getting rid of one single word that you Mm -hmm. no longer can say and um, it's just like a brutal reminder that breakup isn't just about, oh, he's embarrassed. He's on the night train. It's sad for him. And it's not just like, oh, what's wrong with me? I can't figure out why I said no. It's like this has a ripple effect that will permeate like every phase of their mm-hmm. <laughs> their lives and their social circles. Oh, yeah. Um, and then and soon they'll have the nerve to deck the halls that we once walked through. I feel this one, too, because... I remember when we had Penny and it was this huge life event and we left the hospital and we were just like driving home and I was like, I got in the elevator at our apartment and no one around me like knew I had just gone through this wild thing and I had this like life changing event and it was like the whole world had gone on without me and I was like, excuse you guys, like this was a big day for me. Like why, (laughs) how is the universe unaware of this? Like I'm just standing in an elevator with people who can't even appreciate what I just went through. And I feel like that's, that's something that's so surreal is when Mm -hmm. you have a life event, whether that's life shattering or like 
a really positive thing like having a baby it's still like so hard to wrap your head around the fact that the world doesn't care the same way you do <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah wow and so I think that. I think that's the idea is like and that's how she describes it as like two college sweethearts and so it seems like they went back to like visit or or whatever it is or they she was reminiscing about where they first met and the relationship they had then and realizing like oh life moves on and they're gonna deck the halls even though these places should no longer be sacred or celebrated like Mm -hmm. something truly heartbreaking happened there they should be cursed yeah Yeah. and then um one for the money two for the show i never was ready so i watched you go that's good stuff Mm -hmm. she um i think a lot of swifties sometimes give taylor a little bit more credit as like coming up with these these sayings on her own but no this is based on a rhyme this is based on a on a common idiom which is the entire rhyme is one for the money two for the show three to make ready and four to go which is sort of a children's rhyme that has been appropriated to kind of be like a countdown to prepare for an activity or event and Mm -hmm. so here she turns it on and turns it on its head and is like one for the money two for the show i was never ready so now i have to sit here and like watch you go and Mm -hmm. it's i think that's like what makes her brilliant is she can take something commonplace and she kind of makes it distinct and um i guess that's her midas touch if you will there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then it just goes Um, brutal into the sometimes you just don't know the answer till someone's on their knees oh my gosh i can't even imagine oh i know do you think throughout the song she's sad looking back being like this is what i could have had like it was so great. I wish I would have said, I wish I would have wanted to marry him. I don't know. I feel like it's not like, I don't think it's regret. I think it's sort of the energy I get, especially as she turns to the final chorus and outro is like this sense of I am broken and that makes me sad, but I know this is right somehow or that it never would have worked anyways. Like, I think it's sort of her letting it go, even though she doesn't know exactly, even if it's not in the healthiest way, because she seems Mm -hmm. to sort of not, she seems determined to see herself as broken, even though there's not necessarily reason to. Yeah, I mean, and and that's like what's, yeah, that's like, that's what's so brutal about this bridge is this like final quote from the, they said who's, she would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's, effed like in the head and I think that's like a really raw and searing sort of way to think about yourself and to think about what people are saying about you and she's an unreliable narrator because we have no idea what they actually said we have no Mm -hmm. idea if people are judging her like that but she thinks they are and she's wrapped up in that moment she's built up to that release where she's like oh I'm I'm effed up. Like I screwed this up. I'm the wrong thing. But the only way she can feel okay about it is this like turnaround where she's like, what, but you'll find the real thing instead. Mm-hmm. Like you'll find someone better. Who's not effed up. Who's not problematic. Who can give you all you need. And it's interesting that she pivots to that, like wishing a happy ending for him. You know, this kind of reminded me when this came out, um, there was a guy before I moved to Philadelphia that I liked. I mean, he was a nice guy. He, did everything right, said everything right. I just, and he he was good to 
take up time throughout my last year of college. It was like, right. oh, yeah, this is good. Like, we're good because we're here in this time, this place. And I yeah. ended up moving to Philadelphia. I, mean, I guess as like a way to escape and get like an excuse to leave the relationship, but we were still dating and we weren't mm. the same religion. Um, and like, you know, it just wasn't, it, we just weren't on the same page and he was saying all the right things. And he was like, he never proposed. Thankfully he never proposed, mm-hmm. but he was yeah. saying stuff like I'll convert to your religion. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. And it was just kind of like, as soon as he was saying the stuff, cause I, I was like, no, like I don't know. As soon as he like, I, I was telling him what was wrong, why we wouldn't work out. And as soon as he right. said, but all fix those things are all fixable. Like I want to be with you. I'll do this stuff. I was like, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it was just like – and the other day, I couldn't – for some reason, I don't know, I couldn't remember his last name. I could not remember <laughs> his last name. So I went through all of – and it was after listening to the song, I went through all of my my – um because every now and then you go back, you know, you look at like your exes yeah. and you just – not because you're like pining, but you're curious where they ended up. The one, yeah. Yeah, the one. And he, he he's married with two kids and they, they're, you know – they're beautiful. They look like they have such a great life. And I really like messed with his head in our relationships. I was like always <laughs> up. I was up when and I was down. I was yes and I was no. Like I was that Kate, Katy Perry song. Like he yeah. – I, I I took him for quite a ride. Like I was <laughs> I was effed in the head and he will definitely tell you if you ever talk to him, Ashley's effed in the head. Like, and I was that Ashley. <laughs> he, ex- yes, yes. And so just this song really took me back to that and I was really like yeah. you're going to find someone who loves you. Like, I didn't tell him that but in my mind yeah. I was like – He's going to find somebody. And I'm so glad he did. And this song just kind of took yeah. me there. And I told my husband that I was looking it up. And he's like, why? Like, why, why do you care? I'm like, oh, you should, sometimes you just wonder. I was like, I'm not like into him. I could have married him. But no, I just was yeah. looking it up. And it was so funny. I couldn't remember his last name. I was like, all I know is I remember thinking, oh, I do not want that last name. Mm-mm. That wasn't the reason I didn't want to marry him. But I did not want his last name. Champagne problems, actually. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think it's interesting that that here she undoes her damage by basically reimagining every experience they had, but with like a happy ending, like with a woman who does it right. Because the chorus is then, well, it says, you'll find the real thing instead. She'll patch up your tapestry that I shed and hold your hand while dancing. Never leave you standing crestfallen on the landing with champagne problems. Your mom, re- your mom's ring in your pocket, her picture in your wallet. You won't remember all my champagne problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that is sort of the more heartbreaking ending because she's almost out of breath by the end of this chorus and she's kind of like fading and it's like she has to finish that last champagne problems on like the last edge of this breath. And it takes the wind out of her. It's like she's kind of warbling by the end and it's like you won't remember like you won't remember all my champagne problems. You won't remember me. You won't think of me. Like you won't care about me. And she says again, like you won't remember all my champagne problems. And I feel like it's interesting to kind of think about, yeah, like what is the mental headspace of this woman? Like what is she hoping to get out of this song supposedly that she's singing? Because it is kind of like, I don't know, like is she happy? Is she relieved? Is she like, oh yeah, bro, you'll be good. Like I got you. Or is it like, man, I am screwed up. Like, how do I process this? Why did I let him go? What's wrong with me? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Mm. Uh, I mean, looking at it from my point of view with like, I just remembered with that, that guy dated. Yeah. She's, she probably thinks what's wrong with me, but she's probably relieved that 
now she's <laughs> you know there's that something that was sitting on her shoulder she didn't know what it was and as soon as like yeah. it came to fruition and she had to say no because i maybe it would have never ended if he never maybe would have gone on for like a year or two more if he yeah. never proposed because there's no reason like oh like we're we're stagnant we're, we're happy like life is going and then he proposed mm-hmm. and it was like whoa I didn't know yeah. that it was bothering me this much. Well, that's what's interesting is because the song doesn't end there. There's like a slow outro. And then at the end, there's like a few piano clinks that are like. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, what does that mean? And I some people were like, oh, it's just like Aaron Dessner or or Joe Alwyn or Taylor messing around. And they just like kept it in. Like, it's just like, blah, blah, blah. End of story. Let's move on. Like, it's over. But it does feel like it's playing into the headspace of this narrator where it is almost like either she is sitting at the piano sort of processing this, like she's obviously not talking to him in the song, right? She's talking about him and imagining what he's thinking, what he's Mm -hmm. going through, like all this stuff. And so by the end, she's just able to kind of plunk out these keys as if to remind her like, oh, okay, like this is the end of the chapter like I'm gonna be he'll be okay and maybe I will too and so she's just is kind of able to like hmm okay like I'll I'll move on there's some hope at the end of the tunnel maybe yeah just plink it out yeah because it kind of is lighthearted, right it's like yeah it's kind of like whoa yeah she's okay changes the tune a little bit I didn't think of that I didn't think of it like that I didn't didn't really I I was like oh I like that like I liked the the plunking but I didn't really give it much notice to how she's just kind of like, hey, now I'm over it. Let's next next chapter. Yeah. It's good. Classic. Classic. Okay. Well, final questions. Should we yes. get into them? Yes. Let's um, do it. Okay. So the uh, Taylor of it all, what do you think is the most Taylor Swift song in this, Taylor Swift lyric in this song? Um, I like part of the bridge when it goes one for the money, two for the show. I was never ready. So I watched you go. And then all the way down to, but you'll find the real thing instead. Like it's, it's a, it's a long, it's a long lyric. And I know it's more than one lines. You know, she mentions being, um, effed in the head. I really like mm-hmm. that lyric, the lyric, you know, mm-hmm. she punched so much into that bridge. I, mean, I would have said the whole bridge. I love yeah. that bridge. It is the best. It's just really hard for me to pick out. I was last night going through all these lyrics. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's going <laughs> to ask me the best. Taylor of it all. <laughs> what is the Taylor of it all? Like <laughs> the crux of the whole thing, the whole story is, is this part where a man gets on his knees and asks you a question that he assumes is going to be yes. And then you just shatter his heart. Yes. I think that's, Taylor of it yeah. all. I don't know. What about you? You have so, so much better insight. I'm always looking forward to your <laughs> Taylor of it all. Oh, no. I mean, I just said um, November Flush and your flannel cure. I feel like that's a quintessential Taylor image where she overcomplicates something so mundane, mm-hmm. but that's what makes it so special. And just like, who else is like, who else is saying that as a way of like explaining, oh, he gave me his jacket. Like, it's like, I just am obsessed with that line. I think it's so clever. (laughs) I like Um, it too. Okay. The Easter egg hunt. So where'd you land on that? Well, we we already kind of talked about like potential Calvin Harris clues and drops. There's no way that Taylor didn't write the song, even if it's not about Calvin Harris and not think about how all the Swifties in 2017 <laughs> and the Look What You Made Me Do music video yes. was pointing to 
oh, she said no to Calvin. She said no to Calvin. So that's my favorite Easter egg hunt about it, whether it's true or not. I've already mentioned it's weird if she wrote a song with Joe about it, but she can't. She cannot deny <laughs> the fact that. But it's weird to put those details in the in the in the look what you made me do music yes. video if there had not been a proposal i just exactly. that's a question i would ask her if i had her so, off the record the only thing that i think that some people had thought about maybe i thought about was big machine asking right will you commit to another like five or six albums and she said no but that's then like, why not do a contract or something you know? know why the diamond ring box that's yep. the <laughs> i don't know yeah Yep, yep. I might be thirsty for the drama. She also um, like is so complicated in all of her Easter eggs sometimes. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I <laughs> know. It's, it's become a lot. But <laughs> too much. Um my favorite Easter egg was sort of it wasn't it wasn't all that special, but I do like that she was determined to make this a Christmas album, a, a winter album, as she said. Mm-hmm. And so she puts in that line about like decking the halls. I feel oh, like that yeah. was a very I mean, you know, track two, she has to get people ready to accept this as, <laughs> as the, Tis yeah. the Damn Season album like era. So I thought of that. I like that. Okay. It's good. What about um, final score? What grade are you giving this? An A++++ plus 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 oh, I know, to girl. a 13th power. <laughs> yeah, I get this essay on my desk. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. This is good. And if, <laughs> if Joe is is churning out hits like this, just doing the dishes, like honestly, let's do a whole album with him. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, me too. As long as we get um, more stuff like this. Is it making the set list? Yes. It is making the set list for yeah. sure. If not, she's <laughs> in the head <laughs> well even she said she's like i i'm so excited to one day be in front of a crowd when they all sing she would have made such a lovely bride what a shame she's in the head and then she's like i love a sad song like <laughs> girl, do you <laughs> think she's going to sing effed in the head with all of her younger that's what she said i'm so excited <laughs> that's what she said sorry mm-hmm. i couldn't say it here because it is a great line and it would be a really thrilling experience to yell that in a stadium of 70,000 people like yeah. I, oh. I'd totally be down for that <laughs> that's gonna be good I like that yeah one and day. so mm. that's that's what she said that's what she said that's what yeah. she said Taylor has been saying a lot of stuff lately we don't have a lot of time to get into it but I'll oh, briefly touch on this so we are at the time where we either do tea time, but it's there's no tea. So we're going to go into our conspiracy corner. It's yes. not much of a c- c- conspiracy corner as it is just like an exhaustion corner for <laughs> my like brain. A, yeah, it's a lot. It was like a fire hose of information. It was. So Stephen Colbert at The Late Show had her as a guest. They did a little um, teaser, if you will, beforehand with a, a mood yeah. board. Stephen was a, definitely, definitely... 113% convinced, hey, Stephen was about him. She made a mood board, all photos of him. And like everyone was like, oh my gosh, 1989. It's 1989. This proves it's 1989. This proves 1989 is coming out. This proves 1989 is coming out. And I'm kind of like sitting back here thinking, but we already knew 1989 was going to come out. <laughs> um, wildest Dreams. Like, That's we- my favorite thing about Taylor's Easter egg hunts is that they're so obvious. It's like when she did the Lover music video. I mean, the uh, me music video. And she's like, the title of the album's in the music video. No one has found it yet. Yeah. But then it was like everyone had called Lover. Everyone had guessed that the instant they saw it. 
And I feel like it's the same here where she she's just creating a monster with like this overselling of her point. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, numbers, stars, hearts, what is this? Seal, oh my gosh, dark Stephen Pizza. King's novel was written in 1989. It's like, we already got the message, like, you yeah. know? <laughs> we got the message. And, I, you know, she threw out some dates here and there. So people yeah. are thinking May 14th, May 13th they are going to be a big deal. Some people are thinking March, not March, um, June and 25th is going to be a big deal because that adds up to, you know, there's, there's so much in it. And I, so I wrote down, like. love that stuff. Okay. I do, except the for, like, numerology. <laughs> I love the numerology. I love it all. But she's just kind of, like, throwing it all at us. And it's all very um, – <laughs> it's not like she used to do. Like, not like where, like, right. you look in, in the li- the album liner and you're able to, like, decipher a, a secret message. She's almost, like, making fun of us here by putting <laughs> all of these, like – Ashley feels judged by Taylor. I don't know. And I, I just feel kind of like, I'm, ugh, I don't know. And I'm also like, I'm glad that I did not say it for this because within an hour, yeah. Swifties had like decoded everything. There was like 14 letters, nine hearts, five pepperonis, 12 stars. Um, <laughs> they, they knew exactly like when Stephen Colbert's birthday was and they saw photos of him in 1989. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they were looking up street addresses for the show, 513. They did the math and yeah. they, they realized that 44 years, 170 days ago, give or yeah. take from that day was October 27th. The day that 1989 was released, like there yeah. was a lot of. I got lot. pretty overwhelmed. Me too. Yeah, it was like, like it wasn't fun. I think no. partly because it wasn't really anything. It was like I would have been. En- I would have enjoyed an interview way more. Mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed an interview with a throwaway line at the end. I would have enjoyed anything more than this skit that I found very awkward and cringy personally. <laughs> yeah, but. I think part of the problem is, um, you know, this give and take of Taylor. I think she does have fun dropping hints. I think Swifties sometimes overanalyze and they're, it's not that deep. Um, I think Taylor might have just intended to say, shake it off, and that would have been our clue. I don't know if she means every numerical thing that people are dragging out of this. I don't know often how they get to the math portions of these items. Like, I really don't. And I feel like statistically, we've been way more wrong than we've ever been right. Mm-hmm. So it does feel like we're reaching at a certain point. Yeah. But um, do you think the album is going to come out in May then or June or what do you I wouldn't think? be surprised. I'm not going to make any, like, hard bets because there's so much, like, there are so much numbers within her interview and there are so many different tweets that people have done this math and they all added up to one date the other one added up to another date so it's all up in the air and I'm not going to sit down and do the math I'm I'm not um I love this kind of stuff but I'm not I kind of think that maybe she's maybe it's going to be like with fearless where she drops like a single from her old album like love story and then she drops a few vaulted songs and maybe she'll drop a vaulted song the day before she drops her album who knows if it's going to come out on may 14th 
you know, a lot of numbers added up to 14 or, you know, or it's going to come out on like June 25th. It's going to be a summer album. I'd rather it coming, come out like earlier rather than later, but that's just, that's me. I'd rather all of our albums come out mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Selfishly, red in I'd the fall. It. Yeah. <laughs> we need red in November, but I, I am kind yeah. of getting a little overwhelmed by, by it all. Maybe it's because I'm, yeah, I'm it's a senior like- Swifty. Yeah, our age is showing. Well, I do feel like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate a good a good hunt. I love Look What You Made Me Do. I think mm-hmm. that's sort of my style of Easter eggs is like visuals that are clever and well thought and aren't just like nonsense numbers to make us go check the Google calendar. Um, I like that. I am not as into like, oh, you're 44 and 144 days ago or whatever. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that right now. But... Um, I I hope she does more just natural interviews, less of this like hunting, but it does make headlines. It does get BuzzFeed articles of roundup of tweets and stuff. Oh, yeah. So and I think it's a strategy it. that she's some working fans... on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and this one didn't work for me. I totally feel your exhaustion on it. It was way too much. But I did like the theory that someone realized four nine was when fearless came out and it's the fourth album of nine that she owns. So Mm -hmm. maybe then the fifth one will come out in May and so on and so forth. I do hope she starts churning these out quicker than her fearless run, just because I think that would work to keep people's interest instead of dragging it out. It would be to just be rapid fire succession. Um, So I'm hopeful for a May announcement Plus, it's my birthday month, so. <laughs> Yay. Happy birthday. Taylor's yeah, just like, giving thing. it to you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I agree. It was a little, it was a little too much conspir- conspiring, conspiracyism. Yeah. My mind was just not alive. Not alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be fun to see, see what comes, hap- what keeps happening. I um, know. Uh, but we'll have to see what comes next as far as the track we're covering, what she's up to. Um, but until next time, I am Shelby. Oh, wait. <laughs> Do you want to, like, say stuff about yeah, um, our social I media? Where we are. So, <laughs> you know, you can find us on social media, um, SwiftishPod13 on Twitter, SwiftishPodcast on Instagram. You can email us, SwiftishPodcast at gmail.com. And if you feel so inclined, you be- can become one of our Patreon supporters by going to SwiftishPatreon.com no, backslash SwiftishPodcast. Whether or not you, you are a patron su- subscriber, we absolutely adore everyone who's listening to us. Um, yes. So... Don't feel bad um, <laughs> at all. We love you guys. But that's – I think that's all I have. It's all I have. Yes. Is there anywhere else that they can find us? <laughs> no, that's enough, I think. But we're so excited to keep doing this. Um, until next time, I'm Shelby. And I'm Ashley. And Taylor, um, we love your champagne problems. So <laughs> keep them up. <laughs> keep them popping. <laughs>